Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. I am your host, or as always, Rich, and my co-host also, as always, uh, is professional Zerka denier, Mr. Kira, which, you know, has now been branded all over you as far as I'm concerned with a hot iron by Reddit. So, yeah, you're not getting away from that one. Uh <laughs> We've all been there, mate. You always end up getting pigeonholed. No matter what you do from now on in, you might end up being a great philanthropist. Who knows? You might solve world hunger, but you are the Zerka denier. That is now your official title. So congratulations on that, Who the heck that, is mate. Zerka? Yeah, Zerka. You mean Zerka? I say, I've, that, I've always said Zerka. Is that... No, no, there's no R there. There's, it's just, it's I know there's no R there, but I've always said... So is that just completely wrong? Is it? Is it, is it it's not I, I, completely wrong. I think it's derived a little bit from the Chinese pronunciation that Dagda also used in the LPL, ah, which is also wrong. Okay. See, I... see, I just wouldn't use that because I wouldn't hear it. So I just said like, the names as it read. See, now is, my, uh, now, is, now is my opportunity, my small window of time where I can double down and claim that I exclusively watch the Chinese cast of League of Legends and actually that I'm much more cultured <laughs> and educated than you cunts are. But you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to say I probably pronounced it wrong who knows i'll let the audience decide we're also joined by one of the many casters who've been thrown to the side by riot now that you know the big boy stages of worlds are coming up because you know the problem with people like atlas is actually they're overqualified. it's like all you rats with degrees who show up at tesco's and they're like what are you doing you've got a degree and they're like yeah but i don't have a job or any money well sucks to be you doesn't it you're overqualified. um so yeah atlas's big yeah. mistake in life was actually watching the region that has four out of the, uh, sorry, three out of the four remaining teams at world. So that's why he's here after all, isn't it? Uh, and why ultimately bother with people like him when you can just listen to Kobe and Captain Flowers making jokes about how bad the West is. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is Atlas from the LCK. Lovely to have you here, of course. Their loss is our gain as always. And before we dive into the meats and bones of all things that are the world championships, uh, it is time for my patented would you rather. Um, a nice, simple, non-controversial one this time. You know, I think I'll keep this one squeaky clean and PG-13. Although I did say cunt in the first three words, didn't I? So whatever. Anyway, it goes as follows. Would you rather, and I will ask you first, Mr. Kira, would you rather all your clothes were half a size too small or three full sizes too big? Oh, uh, half a size too small. That's really easy, yeah. Is it? How are those yeah. shoes feeling, buddy? How do those shoes I already, feel? I, wear, I already wear sizes that are like two, like two and a half size too big for me. Yeah, too big. I'm saying if your and shoes are... And then that's are... only one extra size and, you, and you're there. So wouldn't that be oh, then but easier? I, I, could, I could also just put my feet into ones that are like slightly, like slightly smaller. It wouldn't make a difference. Most of my, I have to get most of my shoes like made to fit anyway. It doesn't make a difference. Did I phrase yeah. the question wrong? I don't think I did. I said, you said half, half a size, size too small or three yeah. sizes too big. So you're wearing shoes. It's not half a size less than the shoes you currently wear. It's whatever your correct dimensions of your feet are, and then half a size smaller than that. So well, if like you're half an eight, the number. No, no, no. Four. But if you're an eight, if you're an eight, then you okay. have to wear a seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine, is it? All right, all yeah. right, fair enough. Yeah. I think that would be horrendous, personally, but fair enough, fair enough. What about you, Atlas? What are you thinking? Yeah, no, fuck that. Two sizes bigger. Yeah. I'm, I'm psyched. I'm with Make you me into that. a sail. Yeah. I'm done. 
I agree. Plus, I mean, it's it's all like just uh, it's Korean fashion anyway. So I just fit in, walking down the street. Everyone's oversized, baggy clothes. So I'm down. That's true. Arguably, wearing shoes that are too small for you though is Chinese style, is it not? I think that's a thing. Don't they wrap their feet up? Do have that's petites? also like a real isn't that Japanese? Re- no, that's Japanese? a thing. People, that's a thing people do in the UK as well, Rich. Like Spice Boys, they'll like make their feet smaller by wearing like shoes that are too small. Is that a thing in the UK? Yeah, that was really everywhere. Like, so, like think of like superstar. Yeah, superstar Adidas and like Grand Slam Adidas shoes. You'll get them like smaller. Uh, Stan Smiths as well. You'll get them like smaller to make your feet look like smaller to like Good go with your Lord. outfit. I'm learning a lot on this show already. My goodness, is that really a thing? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna put that one down. I'm just gonna put that in the many uh sort of filled boxes i already have in the scottish category because i've not come across that but i trust you mate i trust you right anyway before we get into previewing the much anticipated semi-finals uh, i do want to quickly recap the quarterfinals starting with uh the last hope of the west another tragic thespian love story with us and rogue who obviously <laughs> fell to jdg uh but i want to ask you this atlas from your perspective could you see like any angle where you know on a different day Rogue could have made this a competitive series? Like, did you see anything where you're like, ah, if only this, ah, if only draft, or do you just think the gap was too big between these two teams? I mean, it depends what you really mean by that question, because of course, like any team can beat any other team on any day, right? But I think when you're talking about skill gap, right, like the like JDG are way better than Rogue. It, it's just a fact. Like down the line, there's almost like I think Comp and Trimby were overperforming. So I think the bottom lane was like relatively even. But like the rest of the map's a mess. So I think that like there wasn't really any angle in my mind. I spoke to Vedius actually before this, and he like inserted some pretty uh significant copium in the fact that like he thought hope and missing were bad laners. And so they therefore are. that well, I mean, you've said that everyone's a bad laner, so I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you necessarily. I don't know why like, how many people... games do they need to win for them to be good at the game? You, like... you have to win through laning to be good at laning. They don't. What? They don't do that. Well, what? no, you just have to win the game for it to matter. No, that that would just really make, make you. That would make you no. That would make you good at winning the game, and that make you good at playing the game and playing League of Legends, and you can have other strengths that result in the. But if you're not winning the game through laning and lane advantages, you don't get to all of a sudden just be a good laner. Why would that be no, the case? No, 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 I'm, I'm like, okay, I just don't think they're that bad. Like, they don't just get 2v2 killed over and over and lose the game. No, right? they don't. So, so they're, they're, they're not a, they're not not a weak enough. point. Right. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, let me, and let also, me... like, oh, sorry, go on. I don't know. I think Hope and Missing are, like, ridiculously good. Hope more so. I think Missing can be a little bit um, on the nose, I know, but hit or miss. Um, but I think that like Hope is so extraordinarily talented, man. That guy is super yeah, he's, duper good. Yeah. yeah, he's really overqualified. He sat in LDL for yeah way too long. Um, and then he got he screwed the... over by EDG because of like the Viper thing and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, he was one of the three ADCs that sat on the bench of EDG Young that were all like arguably top ADCs in the LPL. They were just. Problem was, is they were Viper's apprentice. <laughs> was the joke? Like mm-hmm. they, were, they were just they were in the dojo, and <laughs> they called Viper was the master. And it's like, oh, if any other ADC was in the main team, they might have been getting swapped out. But you weren't swapping out Viper for these guys, and they're all really good as well. Can yep. I? Uh, 
Sorry, yeah. go on that list. No, I was just going to say that uh, Viper's not at Worlds anymore and uh, Hope is. So there we go. Who's better? Not bad. Yeah, yeah, it's t 10 minutes in and two cases of results based analysis. Let's go. There we uh, go. But yeah, so let, let me ask you this on, on the bot lane point. Uh, did, uh, did you uh, watch the uh, LEC finals perchance or like the, the weekend in Malmo Atlas? Did you catch any of that? Like Rogue versus Fnatic and then G2 versus Rogue? I watched the G2 versus Rogue series. I saw bits of uh, Rogue versus Fnatic. It's a bit hard for me to catch LEC from where I am because it's middle of the middle of the night. Sure. Um, the reason why I asked, I, I, by the way, yeah, is just your, the comments you made about... Uh, I would argue that um, Comp and Trimby played to their level based on what I saw at Malmo. Like, I think mm. they were... Or, well, to, to, to your sort of reaction there, Kira, or if anything, slightly worse, right? Like, I think yeah. at, I would just slightly dispute Atlas's point of um, maybe that they overperformed because I think that rogue roster coming into the Malmo weekend, if you were going to say they overperformed, absolutely, like, holy moly. Like, if we compare rogue post-Malmo to before Malmo, it's like two different teams almost. But I actually think that Comp and uh, Trimby, I didn't expect them to like outright win games through bot against a team as good as jdg or something like that but i would have been surprised if they had got put in the ground by hope and missing like i think they are legitimately a very good bot lane and i think malmo kind of showed that but to your other point about the top side i mean yeah so i'm gonna fl uh, chuck this to you kira because uh, a point that atlas made which i think a lot of people would agree with is you know individually especially top side of the map but do you think it was more individually top side of the map that JDG had the edge, or do you feel like they just understood mm. the top side of the map much better than Rogue? Yeah, they understand top side and playing around top side like better than like Rogue does, which is like a shame. And like also like draft and Malrang's champion pool finally became like a problem. You know, you could they couldn't keep it like running. And yeah, he was like eating like Jarvan bands in like the first phase, but like if you like the next uh, pick after that is like so bad, like. This, uh, Malran got flame horizoned in two games, I think, by um. He was smashed in camps, that's for sure. I, yeah, I he got flame he horizoned. Like he was back in the LCK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the so, classic Malran. So yeah. in game one, he got flame horizoned, and actually that came a lot from Kanavi taking the lane lead top that was all of um three six nine's farm on the Renekton dive. If, just to give like a general overview of like what I won't go into too much specifics. I think Oduamne played slightly worse than he had been showing this tournament, but 369 is a pedigree of player like above. Like he and he like failed to get like the lane crash and like the Gragas matchup and 369 like had the foresight and knew he could just sit on like 200 health as Gragas and Odo didn't have any more, much more damage. Whereas worse players would like panic and back off and allow the lane crash. But you know, you know what I mean? He knew like his ranges. Yeah. Um so like there there's that. Um I think the jungle matchup with the bands, I think any game where you're counterpicking Leeson jungle as your last pick, mm. you, you, something's went terribly wrong in draft, like horrifically like wrong in your idea and how you conceptualize draft. That's just my opinion. Obviously, like the rogue guys thought differently because they've done it, but I, I think that's really poor um, for me. Bot lane, I think comp, like, so comp had like quite a varied like series. Like there was times where he was like execute, like they were executing the Callista kill lane like really really well and it like looked really good but there was like variant the variance in his like gameplay from like time to time was like so strange like there were in the very first game there was like that top jungle fight where he like flashes the cc 
And in the next second, as he clicks on uh, three six nine rather than missing, and he doesn't mm. kill the support. You know what I mean? It's just, you know what I mean. If he kills missing there, you know what I mean. You then get control of the map. You you can move into their jungle quadrants. You know what I mean? It's a snowball effect. Um, I think Trimby. Trimby was. I've always characterized Trimby as a very, um, like the variance on his gameplay, like game to game is insane like sometimes he looks like what people talk about him as is like the next great support of europe and the next game he's like panic flashing throwing random like skill shots everywhere and i think trimby as the series went on just like devolved and just like fell away mm. and i think not i don't know if he's choking i'm not in the team but that, it's kind of what it looked like uh to yeah. me fair, fair and larson basically it's... help on you yeah Oh, it's just a, it's a little bit of a difficult um, thing to kind of talk about, right? Because we know uh, the entirety of Rogue, we kind of know them in the context of the LEC, right? Yeah. We don't know them in the context of versus the first seed from the LPL. Yeah. Like the amount of pressure that you have from everywhere else on the map, right? Like the fact that Oduamne has been able to like sit back and play like weak side facilitators and not get pressured enough in lane to be completely useless in team fights like that sort of thing I but they play strong if he was side in, this if... game that's the that was a weird thing they played strong side to odo amne malrang all of game one was going top well that's that's what Rex they and... had to do right yeah, like, yeah, yeah. because mm. they needed to try and band-aid the fact that 369 will destroy him and if they don't do that then he never actually gets any resources and he's just a cannon minion See, because I don't think would have got destroyed in those matchups. I actually think they misassess. I think Malrang doesn't Malrang going top doesn't actually change like the outcome. Like they got the best possible um, scenario. Odo gets the yeah, initial. No, like, that, that's that's my that's my whole point, right? right? My whole point is it seemed to me like their game plan was try their very best to stop Odoamne from getting destroyed. I don't, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. I don't, like. I think they misassessed. I don't think the Odo would get destroyed. That's the pressure of being against this team and being so scared of the fact that 369 is possibly the best player in the world right now. Before the game even, before the matchup even starts, to your point, Atlas, I mean, the fact uh, you can say that they got pressured to do it in draft, right? Like, yeah, yeah, to your point. Yeah, I think you two, I think you're both saying slightly different things. You're saying that you think Rogue shouldn't have done that, Kira, because you think he could have survived the onslaught. Atlas is saying the pressure of playing against the arguably the best Chinese team and the best top player in the world is that actually before the fucking match even starts that you're making decisions, which, yeah. That's true, but like, for for example, if if I was like... Rogue, sorry, for, for, the, for, for the first game, for example, um, and they actually do get a lead off on 369 in the Gwen game. It just doesn't really matter because the rest of the map falls to pieces. I would actually just like to highlight Larson. Larson gave everything mm. and more, by the way, this series. Larson was the best yeah. um, mid laner this series. He um, he was missing some weird amount of like CS for some strange reason on his year. But it's, that's like a, a habit I've seen like a lot of players like doing, which I think is all to do with them trying to shove like quickly. But... He was very, very good. Like the LeBlanc game from him, he like just was trying to grab onto it with like both hands and d- drag what was left of Rogue like with him. It just, you know, what I mean, wasn't the pick, wasn't the angle to yeah. be able to do it. I think he played very, very well the entire series. Um, but like for example, when you look at Rogue's draft one, the Renekton gets the kill on the Gragas, the very first kill, the shutdown kill, right? And he buys a pickaxe, right? So he comes back with pickaxe, <laughs> and the Gragas comes back with like. I think it's Corrupting Pot and Tear or something. I can't remember what his exact back is. So he has no... Like 
he has no stat item. All he has is the ability to convert more mana into health, and Renekton still can't win the lane and kill him. Mm. You got yeah. the best outcome. You literally got the best... And by the way, Kanavi took all the lane minions and XP. You got, yeah. like, truly the best outcome for the top gank, and it still didn't result in the win. That's why I would say Rogue actually had to attack, for me, had to attack, and their best game were the ones where they started attacking bot lane with, like, the level 6 vial, where they, like, got on top of, like, missing and hope, and started to, like, prey upon them. And for, like, Kanavi's, like, farming tendencies, you try and get the temple play on the kills, and you try and create such a imbalance there. And I, even if Rogue had assessed this right, in a general sense, I do agree, I think GDG would have won the series regardless. I actually think they're, with what they show, showed, they're on a different day, maybe with like different drafts, which is completely different. Mm. That's a huge idea, by the way. When people say, oh, you just need to change draft, that's like weeks <laughs> of practice that people yeah. are talking about. Like, you'd have to change entire like way people view the game. This is what all of Rogue's year led up to them thinking these things were good for these games. And so that's like an entirely systemic problem. But I think on a different day, with the play that they had, they could have maybe got one game, like mm. maybe two. But I still think GDG would have beat them. Yeah, to come full circle to Atlas's original point, I I think I agree that the gap was just too big. And to both your points, I think the top up, the understanding in top lane was too huge. And I think Rogue were scared that JDG were just going to win the whole series just by playing through top in a sort of very, you know, the the east is much more competent in general at finding win conditions through top than the west is and individually speaking i actually think rogue didn't get like a terrible roll of the dice you know to extend the 369 analogy i think all their players <laughs> rolled okay ish like Otto maybe played slightly you know a bit below his level he wasn't like terrible or anything he made a couple of bad decisions and in i believe the third game he got completely destroyed it was I one of the yeah so killed twice yeah yeah yeah. third yeah. game he was he was uh not good at all the other two games he was fine like you're you're okay with those roles i guess larson was great really good like you can't hope for more from him from a West he was great the whole lane. tournament honestly Larson yeah, yeah bro really, uh, Larson he surprised me with how good he was everyone slept on Larson he only fucked up one game which was the LeBlanc game where he had the kill condition lane into Zeka who was on the Silas I would have expected Larson to like ruffle stomp uh, uh, Zeka in that matchup and he didn't they, they Rogue, that would be my only like game I could say Larson played like poorly like yeah. that was a bad game from him. The rest of the tournament, he gave everything and more. Yeah, no, he was really good. And I think uh, the Comp Trimby one's a bit more nuanced because, to your point, Atlas, for the year, they overperformed. I think for the, when we most recently saw them, like, I would slay them. I mean, slightly underperformed, but still, it's like an okay role. And the guy who obviously got the most diffed, I would argue, is probably Maorang, which, again, I'm not sure that he necessarily played under his level, you know? No, he, you, play, he, he played, he, yeah. played Maorang. He yeah, exactly. played some Maorang, you know? And for people that run from it like that is going to catch up with you eventually. Yeah, like... and for people that don't know, obviously Atlas uh, uh, cast the uh, LCK a lot. Like he's seen the you know the original Maorang as it were. I we... promoted him. Yeah. I remember 2017. It's when he, uh, tiny little skinny kid, um, joined the LCK on Ever Eight Winners, and he played Jarvan 
and he's still playing Jaws now. <laughs> he's really, he's really good at, he's, he's really good at finding yeah, engages. He's a good, he's mm-hmm. a good, he's a good Jarvan player. But I think even you know if Jarvan had been open all three games, I think this was just a bridge, a bridge too far. So yeah, let's let's leave that one there for now. Let's move on to what I think uh, for a lot of people was a slightly surprising scoreline, at least in terms of margin of victory, which is obviously uh, T1 versus RNG. Me personally, even though I did predict. Uh, a close series I predicted that T1 would win but on reflection I think I I mean and everything's easy with hindsight right but I'm not sure why I predicted it would be that close because I thought RNG actually up to this point I know it's best of ones or whatever I didn't think they looked that great um so Atlas like was this did you expect this to be uh tighter than it was or or is was this fairly expected for you um I was actually uh I had to put my predictions in so uh, they're already actually there on the Korean broadcast. But yeah, I predicted a 3-0 for T1. I didn't think that RNG necessarily looked as good uh, in like any way, shape, or form than they were at MSI. There was not a lot to really tell me that they were that much better than what we saw domestically uh, in their finals where they weren't able to actually make it through to anything other than the fourth seed, right? Um, and it was actually Wolf um, who was saying that during planes, even though they went undefeated, he thought that they looked far worse than they were looking earlier on. And I sort of like, I didn't really want to like agree with that because I thought that they were honestly just sandbagging. Like they just didn't care enough to actually try that hard during the play-ins. But then we didn't really see that much of a level up afterwards Mm. to really prove that they were actually just taking it easy or something like that. And so during the group stage, I was like, well, I mean, I mean, they're great. Right. And then they, you know, they managed to take games off, um, Genji and that was definitely good but I think that like that last day that they had really did show that they weren't necessarily the same uh tier level that they were after spring so um I didn't really uh, have that much faith that they'd be able to take a game that being said the scoreline was 3-0 don't think that that really tells the story of the best of three whatsoever mm. Fair enough. As, as someone who obviously comes into, the, I assume, every world championship with, you know, a slight LCK lens, as we all do, you know, from whatever our sort of prioritized region is, like, do you, did you go into worlds thinking that the LPL was better than the LCK or, or what, like, what, what sort of narrative did you, were you buying into before worlds? Um, I was, uh, I thought that top esports and JDG were going to be absolutely deadly. I thought yeah. that, like, after seeing those best of fives, I was like, holy shit. Like, everyone's going to get rolled. And now that top esports have, like, crashed and burned, I'm like, well, why didn't I know this? I commentated the LPL in 2015. I know what happens, you know? I Like, I was there when FPX didn't make it out when everyone was saying they were the best team in the world. Like, it just happens. At least one team has to die every year. And JDG, although they do look really... Um, yeah, they were the ones sacrificed to the gods. And I was basically just saying that um, JDG versus Damwon. Um, Damwon weren't necessarily our uh, greatest team, although a lot of people were toting them to be like the favorite of Worlds. I still just don't think that they were necessarily super coordinated. And even though the meta does theoretically suit them, if the top side of the map plays like 2020 Damwon, that's true, but they're not 2020 Damwon anymore, right? Like It's not like the team that won Worlds... Uh, in you know that year so like 
I don't necessarily feel like that is a good gauge as to how strong the LCK is in comparison. And I think that T1 and Genji are much better than Darmon. So if Darmon were able to push JDG that hard, um, suffice to say, it should be relatively comfortable for T1 and JD, uh, for T1 and Genji. Yeah, I think. Or the... DRX, I guess, if DRX <laughs> is going to somehow win again. I don't know. I'm not yeah. predicting that shit though. Uh, no, I think I think that, I mean that's the, the the crazy what if obviously with that everyone will point to this world with uh, top esports is in the second week it's like oh okay they've decided to show up and play oh, League yeah. of Legends and and I mean let's just that's li- that them. is literally just top that is just top esports all year isn't it I mean mm-hmm. absolutely but do you do you believe there's a world where they could have actually like if they had just squeaked into the the they could stages, win the tournament they could, yeah is that is that yeah, still something can, you believe they look like the best team in that group uh yeah. in the second week 100 percent. the problem they with, looked amazing the problem with top is or jekyll and hyde um you see in this t1 uh gen g uh, rng series when players like guma and uh, jackie love like you know stop like flashing into the middle of teams and insta dying and they like play <laughs> like humans like they just look unstoppable but there's times you watch jackie love and it's like neil from the matrix you shoot four skill shots at him none of them land you he flashes the fifth and like three people are dead and then you another any time? player talk about Jackie Love, by the way, when when they're talking about scrims and stuff like that, they're like, "This guy is an actual god." Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Just one of the greatest players ever. Yeah, but he's he just one... doesn't seem to be able to have consistent performances. Mm. Yeah, well, the problem is, it says like consistency is like because of his playstyle. He's like he has it's so weird. He is like consistent, but the problem is, is the way he plays is the um his playstyle, the five percent or ten percent or whatever where he, like, fucks up, the repercussions of it are, like, game-losing. Like, you can have support players that, like, you know what I mean, they, like, they fuck up, like, the early game, they fuck up the mid-game, they fuck up, like, the late game, and, like, the burden of carryship isn't as high. Jackie Love, one of the certain champions that he, like, plays, when he starts doing it, um, the game becomes unwinnable. I mean, that, that's something <laughs> that, Dagda, that Dagda said on, on the show we did, which I, I agree with. It's, like, Jackie Love is so good at the game but he doesn't understand his role he doesn't understand that he like <laughs> holds the ring of power and if he dies yeah, yeah. sauron gets it like he just doesn't get that he's like just sort of in his the, own gimma's the exact same they're like unbelievably i was and i say but i say gimma's generally worse at learning or has a worse understanding um good like you've seen it in this t1 series just to take it back to rng t1 where like gimma played out the game like in a more like classic like fashion where he was like responsible with his like gold leads and what was being invested into him and he wasn't just like panic flashing into the middle of the enemy team and they managed to like squeak out like edge ones because of it in like game two but like the game two was like the highlight game because actually was like a complete crumbling of like how rng like rng had the game won the the game was literally won all they had to have do was leave fura split pushing top and have the Silas go to Elder Pit, and then if they didn't recall, you then TP the Silas to the Fiora, and you end the game. Okay? But instead they chose to leave the Silas top lane, take the Fiora to the Dragon Pit, and then TP the Silas from the top lane <laughs> into the Dragon Pit, team fight with the Fiora and the Silas, and throw the entire game and lose. And opt into an ADC that's like anti-dive... I mean, it looked absolutely fine to me. I've been watching Teamfight Fioras all year, just A-ramming. 
I was like, that's how you play Fiora. That's how we do it in the LCK. That must be how you're supposed to do it. But, but the right? thing is, yeah, but the thing is, is like RNG literally had the exact same situation handed to them against a wildcard team. And they literally, and think about the ego of RNG, they opted not to fight the they opted not to fight the wildcard team and instead backdoor them. But against T1, they literally chose to run into Elder and lose the game. Yeah. Chinese Fiora, man. It's, it's, it was a meme it, all along. It was a meme the, all along. It's the same the, as everyone and, else's. I said it. The problem with the problem with Breeze is Breeze is an excellent top laner and he'll have a great career, hopefully. But he's not Zeus. Zeus might be the best player of like this generation of like new like coming through like already. He is. If I'm, go look at the game he played in that second game. He that he was like zero eight and ten on Jace and dealt mm-hmm. the most damage in the game. Yeah, he dealt thirty. He dealt 30,000 damage on 0, 8, and 10 Js, getting, like, chain ganked and stuff. Like, the guy's an unbelievable player. Yeah, the thing, and... for, for people who don't completely, like, nerd the, the stats and the sort of uh, varying peak and uh, trough points of champions as well, like, the idea that you stay relevant. Like, the goal, when you're a top laner, you either want to, obviously, like anyone else, win lane or play in a way that you stay relevant and, as we say, lose gracefully, right? But losing gracefully on Jace is, like, obscenely difficult. Like, being super relevant late game on Jace when you're 0-8, that is actually pretty nutty. I, I would actually have to go back and watch those team fights again because I still don't even understand how... he gets all the damage I off. don't get it. Like, yeah. what were his items? How did... It, I don't understand what happened, but... He, he hit three items and then hit three man shock blasts. That's what yeah. he did yeah. over yeah, and over like... again. Yeah, yeah, he literally does uh, it. I mean, they, and he yeah. sat inside lanes until he got Cerildas, uh, and then from that point on, just grouped and shot people. Yeah, that's just yeah. he just didn't give a shit. He's like, oh, I have items to do damage to squishies. Oh, their entire team is squishies. I guess we just kill them now. But it's it was uh, it was really really cute. Yeah, but it's an amazing understanding of the pack that it doesn't matter how many times he dies in lane in the one v one matchup because under no condition are you relying. He learned on the from Jace. Khan and Nogri, right? Khan and Nogri, professional inters on Jace into winning <laughs> yes. the game. Yeah, that's actually, beautiful. He, he, yeah, that is actually true. He learned from the best. I never even thought about that <laughs> angle. The Korean top lane bloodline program has Jace entangled into their DNA. But, that's how it works. So it goes. This feed, this, this but hopefully this series, by the way, puts to death this. Faker is one of the players that literally suffers the most from... We talked about this last time, uh, Raj, but he's the player that suffers the most from his from his success. He has so many fans that just want him to be the GOAT at every single point where people, like, push <laughs> back against him, okay? Yeah. But my God, is Faker still very good at the game. He's yeah. not in the, like, elite, like, bracket of, like, rookie night, showmaker. Just let him showmaker. be A, man. Let him be A tier. He doesn't have to be S tier. He can just be really fucking high on A tier. Like, it's fine. Look how- Look how consistently good he is at like so many different like aspects of the game, and like Xiaohu has like is very 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 like similar in terms of like Faker in terms of like how he's moved forward as like career. Maybe not so much in terms of champion pool, but they share like certain aspects. And I think Faker looks so much better than Xiaohu this series, like, it, like by a by a lot, like by a, like a, like cons- quite a consist- considerable margin, um. It's yeah, just, uh, he looks like, really hungry. This world's he looks extremely hungry to pick be, up his fourth title. It's absolutely insane. I don't know how he's still motivated. But that's like, me, there were interviews with Showmaker after he won Worlds. It's like, and and Showmaker's like, well, I don't know what to do now. You know, I've already achieved this. How do I go about doing it again? Faker's done it three times already, 
and now he wants yeah, to go yeah. and do it again. Like it's actually just insane. But what I really and, hope happens is if T1, and to be honest, you know, I I hope T1 won't win Worlds purely because I really want Joe Marsh to stop pretending like he built the T1 dynasty. But <laughs> if they do win Worlds, I really hope that, you know, we can have a revolution where people don't go super overboard and say, you know what? Faker is really damn good. He is still a world-class player, but he is not the sole reason or even the main reason why this team won. Like, Zeus is unbelievable. Owner has his own kind of Jekyll and Hyde, I feel like, a little bit. But when, he he's, when he's on, he's, oh, yeah. he's really on. And obviously, uh, Kyrie has been, like, the best baby sister, in my opinion, in He's arguably in the, world. Been the best best player in the world this like year from like support by like considerable margin by Belpova like considerable margin he's like a like a superstar mid laner but like he's been told um he's going to play support for the, the rest of his life he's, he's like, like a oh. superstar mid laner that gets no money that's he might get no money but he better get christmas cards from gumishi every year because he he owes him that uh yeah, but, sure, sure, sure. anyway let's move on to uh genji versus oh actually let Ooh. me quickly ask you atlas genji or genji genji's an overwatch character <laughs> that is true that is true not bad, not bad. It's, but it, it, genji I, I don't i i it's alternate genji. i alternate generation g actually that's that's fair mm. yeah that's a good way good way to remember actually for all you gen zers uh right so genji versus damwon now weirdly i mean i don't believe that you subscribe to this atlas because you made a, a a comment earlier but the they were actually some people sort of like dark horse pick for the whole tournament and i believe it was sort of based on this like meta argument that it might just be like Wait, the DRX. Perfect... No, yeah. no 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 yeah. uh damwon damwon um, oh, sorry i meant damwon that uh yeah that they could maybe just be unleashed and win you go on a run and win the entire tournament um, I mean, where where do you stand on this? Again, as a resident LCK enjoyer, two LCK teams, like, did, did you buy into any narrative like that at all? Or did you just think, well, you know, Genji are just the best Korean team and I've seen these teams play series before and I know how it goes? Well, um, it's, it's interesting because Genji versus Darmon has been extremely close all year. Um, so them individually versus one another, very even. Genji shat on the rest of the LCK. It was not close between them and any other team, um, especially in summer, right? Like in summer, especially, right? Uh, that we're not talking about spring because they lost. <laughs> they lost <to> T1. <laughs> T1 was pretty good in spring, as it turned out. Yeah. Um, but Genji and summer were untouchable for anyone other than Damwon. Um, I don't know what it was. Damwon, like Damwon, just annoys them. It like it's mad ruler, jungle. Like they. Yeah, they drew Darmon and Ruler was like, oh, this team's so annoying. Why do we have to face these guys? Ugh, they always do dumb stuff and Canyon's too good, you know? Because in those series, like, all sorts of wacky debuts happened. Like, we had, for the very first time, the Samira Singed lane. Um, that was in their first series of the year or the split or something like that. We also had the crazy Karthus game. That was just completely obscene. We had the first uh, Senna singed game. Um, not be, not been picked again after uh, Lahens was tossing people into the. <laughs> I know <laughs> that one was not so good. Yeah, apparently they were winning in scrims um, with that combo, but I don't think Classic. they'll do that one again. Uh, so oh, that was that amazing. First game to watch. Was, 
Yeah. That was definitely a bit of a yikes. A bit of a yikes. It Just, was actually interesting, though, because, like, as that game was happening, I'm like, that is so dumb. Why would you ever put Ruler on center? But in the game that they picked it in the LCK, they absolutely yeah. crushed with that duo. So it was so know. thin. It was so And it wasn't even it. into a Yumi. It wasn't even into a Yumi when they picked it in the LCK. They they just picked it because they thought it was good. Um, so uh, we we were, I, I was definitely guilty of this, but I was like, why would you ever pick Singed if you're not into Yumi? It's your pocket anti-Yumi pick. Let it be that. But I mean, Lehens just really likes Singed. So we just let him play it, I guess. Um, what, what do you think about the uh, car? I think Carthus is like a poster child champion for when we see it sometimes, everyone's like, why is this not played more? Like it gets to 16 or whatever, and it's like, you know, fully scaled up and it just auto wins the game. Obviously, we saw it um, in that, of course, that GAM game, right? Where they respawned mm -hmm. as they're hitting the Nexus, and it's just like, okay, sure, there was a bug, but it's still just did like obscene amounts of damage you're like can you point to a, a reason why you think this isn't like a consistently picked thing maybe even particularly with teams who feel that they are slightly overmatched but if they can reach the late game they kind of just auto win like why do you feel this isn't a common thing and we've only seen it you know a few times in lck and worlds etc i feel like there are a lot of teams especially in the lck that feel like there needs to be the right angle um to pick Carthus. also most of our lck LCK teams require Karthus to be the only magic damage on the team. So you need to have access to decent matchups for AD mid lane and top lane. And that can be difficult to find, especially when, uh, for us, uh, our Korean teams anyway, they absolutely massively prioritize getting good lane matchups as much as possible. Um, especially with the teams that we have here, right? Like T1 takes up the majority of that. Like when it comes to laning, like, they put laning as like up here, like yeah, infinite levels of uh, priority. Um, our other teams don't necessarily as much, but they do put a lot on being able to win lanes. So being able to get those is is very very important. And so I think that that's a reason why. But uh, I, I actually don't little... really know. Like to be honest, I feel like uh, Canyon should be able to just demolish people with uh, with Carthus after what I saw. But just haven't really been wanting to to pick it blind and there can be some bad matchups in the jungle of course there is a there is a quite a good reason for it and you actually seen it with the cane and mm -hmm. this is a, well, it's a team that i never even thought about this and as i was speaking to more and more people and pros about it it's because of the priority of having engage in the jungle carthus does not supply engage you cannot choose to have the fight you, when you like alt with Carthus, well, or you wall move of into... pain ganks, man. Wall of <laughs> pain yeah. ganks. And when you move into an area with Carthus, um, you want to be able to force the enemy team to like fight you under like that set condition, so you can bring that like short range power to bear. But that would then mean you'd need to play like engage on support, or you'd need to play engage on top. Mm. Now, think about the support pool in summer. It was enchanters. Mm. People did not want to play like that much engage on support, and so when you've got enchanters, so say you're gonna you're gonna choose enchanters because they're really broken, and you're gonna go for Karthus top there because it's really broken. Where's your engage? You need to either have engage mid or engage top. Now your engage top angles are now super super like shut off. Like it's like you're like an arm ban or like an early arm pick away from being like you know what I mean like funneled oh, no. to like yeah. set yeah into like set conditions. So yes, from like a Big picture view, and I agree by the way with this. Every single time I see like Carthus, I see it like turn level six. You have a losing bot lane, it presses R, and your bot lane's now a winning bot lane. Mm. It's like 
and, and, and now they're good learners, you know? <laughs> so... <laughs> That's how we do it. A pro gank that even I can pull off, I think. So, um, mm -hmm. But like, for, but like, when you get into situations in the game and you see this with Gen G because of how they prioritize, how they think of like Peanut, they prioritize the ability to be able to engage and choose fights under their term. And I actually think that was the difference maker in that series because even though Canyon showed that he's probably the best carry jungler ever um, on, in that series, I'm um, always like Pax and he was outclassing um, Peanut. In like game five, where he was on the cane, they didn't have any engage. Their engage was literally pre Genji stand on top of each other, three man knock up on cane into three man cinder stun, mm. and that got them back into the game once, and then they lost the game. Like they were just or like flash renekton. Like this isn't engage; it's just madness. You know what I mean? The ranges that Genji played for just have it turned on, and Genji had like one, two, three, four, five attempts to get back into the game, and yeah, Peanut was missing them all because his hands have been disattached. But like you can see why Genji prioritized that ability over having something like that scales up. Yeah, like, that is purpose. one game where I will allow the universal take to be like, oh, that was just drafted. Because you had the, again, the contrast of like a godlike performance from Canyon on an unfavorable pick versus a pretty bad performance, or at least I think not it's a great I think it's Peanut, and they still just win because it just, I mean, how can I they I think not? it is favorable, by the way. It just, they had to like change the dynamic of like their team a little bit to make up for the fact that like you're going, you're like your engage options are like worse. Well, Showmaker was um, also behind as well. I guess that's like yeah, yeah. The, the, they they were in game five. They were actually like losing the game until they got that like insane mid game mm. combo off. But um, the like just the general like thing of the game where you have like when you have very low engage or very short range engage, you almost always have to front run. And when you don't like front run and you don't have that high execution and you fall behind, the game gets really hard to come back into because you see people miss position in front of you or what you think is a miss position and you can't reach out and grab it. You can't go and get that advantage back um, because of the choice you made for your comp. But like in that game five, if there was like maybe, I don't know, I can't remember the, remember the exact champions, but I think if there were small like differences in the in the draft, if they had like engage and they're able to bring the short range game pick into the fight, I think there was maybe a chance. Mm. So yeah. after watching that series, we thought, well, that's the pick of the bunch. We won't get a better quarterfinals than that, will we, lads? <laughs> and then DRX versus EDG happened. Uh, yeah, what an insane series. For full disclosure, I went to bed after the first few minutes of game three, thinking that DRX would just tilt it off the face of the universe and I'll catch up on the VOD tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. They'll just capitulate. Uh, and I obviously wake up to the reverse sweep and... This is like where, so an issue I've always had with like Western players is how they historically have treated Korean players as almost like these mythical sort of beings that don't behave in the same way that we do. And I always joked with like my players on H2K and stuff like, oh, are you, talking, uh, yeah, like, are you talking about Diamond Bloods again? I used to call Korean players Diamond Bloods just to imply there's like something unattainable that you can't possibly get. And don't worry, lads, it's definitely not just, you know, poor mindset or whatever. Don't worry. They're actually just born different. You know, they are built different, in <laughs> fact. But after watching that, like seeing what this happened and going back and watching the VODs, I was just like, how are you not? How do you not just auto lose after that game two disappointment? Like, how the hell does death play like a human? Uh, it's after that it's insane to me absolutely insane and again like not all reverse sweeps are, are made equally right like 
just because you go down 2-0 doesn't mean that, you know, a series is doomed. Like, it might be actually trending in your direction. I just thought this was like, I don't know. It's Again, this is a lazy narrative point, but this just seemed to be like ultimate mental fortitude. I couldn't, I could not believe it when I woke up. So, yeah, again, start, starting with you, Atlas, like, what, I mean... What what was sort of your biggest takeaway from this? I actually had EDG as making the final. I thought that, uh, yeah, I thought we might might see a T1 or uh, EDG final or maybe even a JDG EDG final. Like, what were your thoughts going into this? And, and I mean, what's your takeaway afterwards? You say you won't bet on them, but what do you think of them after this series, DRX? I mean, I've been refusing to bet on them the entire tournament and uh, it's been working for DRX. So I'm just going to keep it up and see whether Deft can win Worlds, you know? Uh, I have already put my pickums in, 100% Gen G, 3-0, easy, should be a clap, um, which means DRX probably just get the upset, I don't know, don't know what happens, like, maybe like Zeka triple solo kills Chovy as well, adds that one to his, to his repertoire, have absolutely no idea how that could possibly happen based on what I've seen throughout the year, but it just seems to be a thing that's happening now. Um, to your point though, and I think that this is the, this is the best one for me is the tilt factor because deft has been a player to make horrendous mistakes because of high pressure in the past it's been year after year after year and there has been those moments right like walking into that tri brushes gin you know like these lapses of judgment when you know he's hit oh, by frustration loves. and things like that like it's happened many many times um be it worlds be it domestically does not matter it's Something that's really plagued me as a deft fan forever. Um, I mean, it, it domestically has been better. He won a bunch <laughs> of LPL finals, a bunch of OGNs. He's mm -hmm. <laughs> done yeah, not bad domestically. I think Worlds has just fucked with his head. Believe me, I know. Uh, I've been yeah. casting deft his entire career. I, in fact, yeah, him from the it? LPL back to the LCK. Watch, watching, you know, as a deft fan as well, it's painful. Every yeah. year. Um, but um, to go back to the series, uh, Deft actually said it himself. After that game where it was literally milliseconds away from him just winning via that back door, the takeaway, and I think that this must be a difference from what he's done in the past, but I don't have tape of it, so I don't necessarily know. But his mindset immediately afterwards is, we're better than these guys. We are the better team. We should have won this game. Why don't we just win three more? And that's what they used. That's what he said in the interview um, with Shocks after the series. And I was like, wow, that is... It, it made sense as something that you would say afterwards, but it's not what I've seen from Deft in international series of that level of pressure in the past. That level of stoicism. And yeah. he did it. You know, yeah. like, it's nuts. Yeah, do you think... Uh, I mean, do you think, like, uh, a sort of switch has, has flipped for him there or do you just feel that it's just experience and having been there so many times that he's he maybe even identified himself that it's like a mental thing um this is actually something that he's been saying um all year long right is he was talking about the fact that it could be his last year professionally his last year in the lck he's recently come out saying that he can have another year doesn't necessarily need to be quitting immediately after this which is why the Korean commentators are starting to call it the lasting dance instead of the last dance. You know, it just keeps going. You know, he's just doing another farewell tour, you know, like one of those things, like basically Elton John now. Um, but uh, 
now I've completely uh, lost my point. Um, Death and Isabella uh, had to like mental reset, and his career like continuing on from here. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So um, he was he was talking throughout this entire year that he's just going to play without any regrets. Mm-hmm, he's just okay. going to play, not think about what people think, not think about fan expectations, just not give a shit. Just do his very best to play to the level that he wants. And it's kind of reminiscent to what Faker has said, right? Like you're like, you always see in these interviews over and over again, like Faker, what is it that you want to achieve? And he's just like, I want to play better in this game than I did in my previous one. (laughs) And that's kind of what um, Deft has been saying um, this year. And it was that really beautiful moment in that interview where he was saying, I'm now, I now feel like I am better. Mm. and he ha- finally had that moment and you- i think that that's that's what he's been searching for this year instead of saying i deserve this trophy i'm gonna like i should get it which is i think kind of like the mindset that he might have had in 2018 where kt was so incredibly hyped up right like it was the you know the smeb mata super team didn't necessarily work out um that's, that time that, around that boy's boy score getting snubbed there and it was in it was in my like in honestly the best best of five domestically i've ever seen right like that uh kt versus griffin series scores first domestic title that was probably my favorite best of five and i was like this team better win worlds because we deserve this you know as as fans of kt we finally deserve some happiness we gave up rookie for this right um and it just it just never really worked out. So hopefully, you know, Deft can uh, can just come into the Gen G series and it, and it's not a stomp. That's what I want. If it's if they play admirably, and and it's okay, and then they probably lose zero three, then I'm still going to be happy because honestly, making semifinals is not something I expected out of DRX in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, I think that's fair and reflective of, of how most people saw that saw them coming in at least um just the the last final uh, thing on on deft if if you know and for people who don't know is the reason for his rumored retirement is it to do with military service or just that he's just has enough do you, do you know why he's he's indicated he might retire yeah it's military service okay so um service. he can extend it until it's normally like the latest is 27 28 years old um in korea and i think he's like 26 now or something like that yep um and you can like he can sign up for exemptions and things like that there have been a bunch of players that don't have to do military service for a certain uh like a multitude of different reasons right and there is there are now these days ways to get around it yeah there there are certain certain ways to get around it now um however I think there's also a lot of social pressure to to do it's, it. Mm. It's societally. Well, I've been from speaking to like Koreans at university, and I asked them like about it because they also knew like League of Legends, and they said that's like there are ways to like get out of it, but it's like societally like shunned yeah, on like to do to do it because basically the whole idea is even if you are a big like celebrity. Yeah. Like they would know that you like how you like got out of it or like didn't do it or like a rumor mill would begin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you'd be like you'd be like judged. Um I've seen a lot of stuff this... about like K uh, K pop stars and stuff who they yeah, they even them have been sort of, you know, put under the spotlight as it were and kind of pressured to, you know, mm-hmm. just because you're this or that. You don't know. But 
So I got an so I was explained to me and the ethics said this was literally just a Korean person, so I don't know why they would be like more knowledgeable than anyone else, but they literally told me that because of when they were born or when they were at high school, Faker and Dev don't have to do the military service. They have the option to do the civil service part of it, but they wouldn't explicitly have to be in the military. Um, but that could just be complete and utter waffle and not actually be a factor at all. But that's basically why no, I there is a, there is a bit of truth. There is a bit of truth to that. I'm not, I'm not fully across all of it. I don't understand how the, the yeah, no, military no, service I... situation works either. So I'm not going to pretend that I don't, that I know, but that's what I've heard. And I don't really understand how, and there's, yeah. you know, <laughs> some that. other players that have got around it using that same loop loophole, right? Like, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but there are other players that are of similar age to, to Deft and Faker as well that have been able to sort of get around it. And some of them have accepted the out um, and others others haven't. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a really interesting point and I wonder what Deft is actually did, going to do um, based on it because I don't you, think the fans sorry, would blame him too much. Did you go and watch the series back, Rich, the full series? Uh, yeah, I, oh yeah, I watched right. the, the bots when I woke up. Yeah. Did you think there was a big difference between Viper and Deft? No? When you got to see them head to head? I'm not trying to debate you, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, in those games specifically, no. But I, I, I haven't shifted off my opinion, really. It, no, and I'm, again, I'm just because the thing is for me, it's again, it's similar to like, the, the whole faker versus like Chovy Knight, whatever discussion, where it's like, I think Deft is an A at minimum, maybe even like an A plus AD carry. I think there are a couple of Chinese, well, obviously Vibe's not Chinese, but like uh, LPL AD carries who are a tangibly better at certain aspects of the game. I think well, Viper, who's Korean. <laughs> Yeah, I said I said I said players, players in the LPL. Um, but um, like for example, I I mean Hope even obviously not necessarily in in laning for example, but Hope I think is one of the best what I would call like limit testing AD carries in the world. I think as particularly this was exacerbated as I said before by like when Lucian Nami was the S tier bot lane combo. I would arguably say Hope was the best at executing that and judging the distances. Um, when like going in with with Nami proc and then coming back out and procking electric, like I I I don't see for me I don't see Deft playing picks quite to the level of like full. Well, he can't do that. He's got Beryl as his support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's to true. Proc that... Nami electric <laughs> Good old that, Beryl. <laughs> that is fair context. And to be fair, I did say that last time as well that he doesn't have the the support. So maybe I'm not seeing like Deft as fully unleashed. Uh, basically, but... what. My favourite thing about this series, and it was I've seen Deft with Matt, by the way, and I still didn't think. Yeah, but Matt was bad at that time as well. Yeah, like he was awful. Deft and Carrier was the best lane. That was yeah, well, the best. That lane. was that lane was insane. Um, here's the the really interesting thing about the series. You well, in that game too, you literally could obviously tell. You like there was that picture of like Fortic's face as they like they lose obviously, and he's just like crushed, right? And as like you think DRX is like mental, is going to like drop off the edge of a clip. You've actually been like gabba good because it's actually Scout's mental that's going to fall off the edge of a cliff. Watching Scout just slowly mentally like crumble in that series was really really impressive. If you give Scout or like any elite mid laner that Akali game in game five, they like kill everybody. Um, they like carry the game most of the times. 
scout just had like an absolute mare. The full of the EDG just fell apart in terms of like team cohesion. You had Flandry jumping over the wall into wards as Jax, and then Viper flashing into the enemy team to try and kill people after like dragons and stuff. Um, it was really, 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 really crazy. Um, EDG as like the unit, which was one of like their strongest like aspects, completely like fell apart. Like mm. the um, they just crumbled and. I, I really wish teams would just stop giving Zeka, Silas and Akali like every single game because he's unbelievably good. This is like him back in the LPL where people used to give Zeka Zoe all the time and it would be like a fucking montage clip of like everyone just dying to like Zoe bubbles and Zoe missiles because he's so good with like movement abilities. Zeka's insane when like champions have the ability to like dive about and like reposition. He's really, really good at keeping like his like, skill shots around, like, a clock face as he, like, moves around. He's, like, got insane mechanics. But it's, but it's so weird that, go... to me, the weirdest thing about that series, as you said, the, the, was the, both aspects of the mid lane. One, that Scout, who, to me, is, like, a famously reliable player in so many yeah. ways, just became completely unreliable. And Zeka, why don't people pinch this guy's champion pool? Again, I'm not going to deny, I'm not gonna deny that he's the not... How can you pinch it in this meta? How can you pinch it? I think if you take him off, I think if you, you take him off, Yumi, uh, Caitlyn, Aatrox, you can like, leave up. Ka you can leave up Caitlyn. No, you can't. Not, not into death. I, that is illegal. Hundred percent illegal. They just lose. I think you can trade up. Unless I, they're going to pick it. Yeah, you can also. Yeah, Here's you can the thing: in the ma in the specific matchup, let let let's make it about this specific matchup. I think I would be more inclined to pinch his pool bearing in mind what the bot lane matchup is i agree that obviously death on caitlin is a complete nightmare uh, conceptually and even into the viper lane like it's still not good for viper but i think you can disable uh zeka much more through draft than you can disable death through draft um so unless you're identifying and like a lot of people will say Game ones are like a feel out, you know, see what both teams are prioritizing, blah, blah, blah. I would at least test it in game one. In game one, I would just fully pinch, uh, pinch Zekka's champion pool and say, what now? And then, yeah, you're right, Atlas. Obviously, you, it's dangerous to put Deft on what he wants. But fuck it. Game one, let's see. I, I want to pinch one of these guys, right? Like, I think everyone agrees that Zekka, Deft is the two-pronged attack on this team. So I'm going to target one of them very heavily. And I believe that Zeka is easier to attack in draft than Deft is. He, he had a real, he had a good, he, like, he had a, uh, was it game three or four he had the good Azir game? I mean, his Azir is mm. fantastic. He's got three champions that you have to ban. Because Edward, Edward Gaiman did, did do what you just said, by the way, Rich, right? And game yeah. four, they banned Silas, Akali, Caitlyn. Or okay. Azir game three or game four, okay? Yeah. And then they picked... They then gave away the Azir, and then they picked LeBlanc to try and thingy the kill condition in the lane, right? And they they lost that game, okay? So, yeah, it works like, better. Yeah. I guess it works better on blue for sure. You can do those exact same bands and first pick Azir, and then I don't know. Like, well, then... but but, but I, I actually think that's like that. Even though you lose, there's a form of results based analysis. Even though you lose that game, I still think that's like a like a better strategy than having like Zeka sit on those picks. Like, I don't think I don't really care if Barrow gets Barrow's getting Heimer unless you're like unless you have inside your head EDG you want to play very specific like bot lanes as punishes. I think it's overall better, like holistically. I could be wrong, like I'm, but like that's how I think about it. 
I think it's just uh it's it's a really interesting thing. Is like, do you attack the best performing player on this team, or do you attack the weak link? Right. Right. Like, and, that... and Kingen is definitely an avenue for success. And I think EDG made the right call in thinking that Scout could handle Zeka. Mm. Like if you were to talk to me before Worlds happened and you're like, oh, Max, we're going into a theoretical best of five, Scout versus Zeka. Do we pinch the mid lane? I'm going to say, hell no, you don't. I'm, sa I'm saying let's like do whatever the heck he wants and it's going to be fine. And I think that Scout should be able to neutralize the majority of lanes that Zeka can come up with just because he is that good, right? Yeah, the the, the most Silas, it's like point. it's like it's like Knight with um. Silas. I mean, no one like, should be able to get Silas to be honest. The champion yeah, okay. is very very so strong. So Zeka has played the most Silas along with Yagao at this tournament, and Zeka's not lost a game on it. Mm. And he's one of the best Silas players, right? Like at the tournament, he has under. That's what I was saying. When you have movement abilities and team fighting, and that those are where Zeka's just. Where like he's able to just blow people away with his team fighting and his mechanics and his and and our team fight decision making. He's like a not so many, but like he is like a mini version of like Knight, where like he, they're not as good as lane at laning as the other elite players like Showmaker, Rookie, um, uh, Chobe. But when they, the reason they are just so special is when they are their team fight creativity. And when you think of like team fight creativity and team fight decision making and target lockdown and bars, Silas fills out all these. Like, League of Legends has gotten to the point, how often do you look at a five-man draft and you go, ah, Silas has got no, like, uh, options here. Ah, there's no good Silas picks, like, for his ultimate. Like, those those, those days are done, I think man. that's an example of when Silas is way too strong, by the way. Yeah, is when yeah, you exactly. don't have to actually look at the ults. You can just pick Silas and everything. I remember the time where it was beautiful, you know? You'd see a first pick Silas and then the enemy team would just pick a, pick a whole bunch of zero R-button champions and the Silas would do nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and it's not fair because now, like, Silas's base kit is just strong enough for him to barely even need anything to use as an R button, even if it's like, I, I don't know. It yeah, that seems fundamentally. I feel like he's broken. just too strong. If I can bring up a good example for game five, right? So, EDG have like uh, Jax, Sichuane, they have their Kali, so the you know what I mean, the split, and then they've taken these uh, Philios with the Lulu, okay? And so you know you've got they've got like the Gen G draft where they have the engage option to get back into the game. I think that is a good draft from EDG in this game. Okay, in general for like how you want to play play and in comfort. And on DRX they have the Fiora, the Viego, they have Silas, they have Deft on Israel, and then they have the uh, Karma. They have no engage. Okay, but it doesn't matter because Silas just takes Edge out and throws it, mm. and they kill one target and they just blow up every single time. Or like he takes. What like a Kalio and he just flies into the middle of your team? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, no, I, the, I, I mean, I, yeah. no, I, I actually. Like, this, this, he should not be getting this champ. It's one. It's historically one of his best champs. Yeah, no, I, I, I kind of, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I think Atlas has swung me a bit. I do agree. Like with the top lane matchup, like I think that's probably yeah. Maybe you just make the decision to to target the weakling, the runt of the litter, instead of go for Zeka, but take silas off and then do that maybe like that could be like a happy compromise perhaps because yeah that pick is yeah i think that's a another winning angle as well i just don't think zeka ever having silas at any point in the series is a good i it's like a good idea like akali i still think he's very good at akali by the way and possibly equally problematic on the pick but i think akali is a level below silas in terms of i think yeah. silas is too much of an all-rounder like you can you can first pick silas and make whichever comp you want 
And yeah, so that's true. I think that like that level of flexibility in draft is very, very important if you're going to be priority picking something that's extraordinarily strong. So I think you're exactly right. I think and I, I think that honestly, like if we had EDG taking a leaf out of the Darmon book and just perma banning Silas Aatrox every single game, right? Didn't matter like didn't matter what was happening, the Silas was never gonna go into the hands of Chovy. They're just never gonna let that happen. Like I think that that was probably the way to do it. But yeah, giving Zekker is like what sixth win in a row um, yep. in the group stage slash uh, knockouts. Yeah, it's not exactly a thing that we'd uh, we'd expect um, to be good thing. Right, let's move on to the semi-finals then. Obviously, we have uh, JDG versus T1 is the first matchup, and then Genji versus DRX. Uh, so, yeah, starting, obviously, with uh, JDG versus T1. I know, Atlas, you were quite sort of high, I think, on JDG, on, on them coming in and also maybe what you've seen so far. But I think you could argue that, you know, again, a lot of best of ones, only seen one sort of round of series play but that maybe T1 actually look like the cleanest of LCK teams at this World Championships. I think that's an argument at least. How, oh, how I got you... T1 winning this series easy. Oh, 100%. okay. So, so you you, oh, yeah. you think this heavily favors T1. Is that just a, a team disparity thing or do you think it's just a bad matchup for JDG? I think that the T1 that is coming into like this semifinal is not the T1 that came into Worlds. If that makes sense. T1... Yeah, they look a lot better. Like, Getting a zero three in the LCK final did not exactly inspire all that much confidence um, in a great many people. A lot of people are saying that, like, likening it to, you know, 2017 World Final, where it's like, well, I mean, the meta was just an enchanter plus ruler, and therefore Genji's going to win like they did in the past. I'd probably call bullshit on that one. I think that, like, Gumiushi Carrier looked terrible in that series. And yes, Genji were aided by the fact that they are very, very good at playing enchanters, but. I still think that they looked like a much better team than uh, T1 in that final. Yeah, so they coming into, so many into worlds, angles and drafts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the flexibility that Genji has was like extraordinarily high, given the fact that they don't need to care about Yumi and all that sort of stuff. So like their draft um, capabilities are just better than any other team. So that did definitely help them. But still, I felt like the uh, T1 just kind of crumbled. And I don't think that that's something that we've seen so far from them at the World Championship. I think that they've looked incredible. I think especially Gumiushi. And mm. like, Kier, like you were you were talking about this earlier on, the fact that Guma has been playing like the like the spring Gumiushi that we were actually hyping yeah, yeah, up. The guy yeah, yeah, that we yeah. actually thought like, oh my God, it's innovation's brother, <laughs> the second coming of esports. We've done it. We've found him, you know? And... Yeah, Zayas is already there doing that, so I guess we can't really give that title away, but like Gumiushi does now look like a player that doesn't just need to be babysat the entire time. Carrier can pick Tom Kench and just dive on people. And then the T1 that we saw in spring is now finally coming out. And I think that them versus RNG was a great example of that. And I think if they play like that, JDG doesn't have the strengths that they had against Rogue. Because I think Zayas should be able to handle 369 although yeah. i think that that matchup is extremely awesome yeah it's so the I best matchup of worlds yeah yeah, yeah i just want to watch it i don't i, I almost it's like showmaker wins, it's like showmaker chove it's like what we got treated to in that series i hope it's like that again you know yeah it was like you know back in the day watching rookie versus faker in every yeah. single like every international event where like as long as we get rookie versus faker everything's going to be okay 
you know that's why rift rivals was so good because we got to see that matchup and i feel like that's happened again here with 369 versus zayas um i think kanavi versus owner is going to be really interesting because if owner yeah. continues on his trajectory yeah then he should be pretty good in the matchup but i think coming into worlds i would have been like kanavi is a better player um i think it's, than i think, it, I think he's shown that i think kanavi's the best jungler with tian like falling away i think kanavi's for me he's been the clear-cut best jungler like I, I can think of Kanavi having a bad game this tournament. He's kind of like slowly. The best jungler Canyon from the LPL. No, I think I was going to say think... like no one's better than Canyon. Yeah, Canyon's Canyon was. I I have not that. So the best. No, no, Canyon. The Canyon had bad. Canyon had bad group games. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But be a what? Like the best individual performance so far at Worlds was Canyon in that best of five. Like even though he was on the losing team, no yeah, one he... has played. Like again, it's the he, he was like season three faker. Like he was just levels above everyone yeah but he was like, also playing against peanut peanut's not bad oh, don't you don't you peanut's do that to bad. my boy okay he's, he's not he's not canyon but he's not bad it's not Can, like see, an when, easy... when canyon when canyon be but he's also but it's also matchup dependent when he's on the side when canyon ate peanut's raptors and then came back ate it again and was standing right in front of him and the peanut had, had there was nothing peanut could do i was just sitting there i was going wow no look at peanut the just wouldn't let him hit him peanut just could, ran away because he's yeah, just like, yeah, don't hit me. Just transform at 20 minutes and be useless, you piece of shit. I don't give a fuck about my camps. Like, it was actually genius how Peanut played that last game. I'm not going to let... Because, you're not like, going to convert that, me that on this 20 one, minute transform, like, screwed him. I don't think Kanavi... I think he, oh, I think Canyon was mega in that game and was hard carrying them. But I think Kanavi's... I don't think Kanavi's had any bad games. I think Kanavi's just been good all tournament. Yeah, but it gets it, it, two slightly different things. If you want to, like, average out the performances or whatever... Then okay, but if we're talking about like again, well, I don't think Kanavi could have stopped really... Malrang any harder. Like, I don't, well, I don't know what he flamed Horizon, Horizon Malrang two games. But okay, you talk about okay, but you talk about the peanut matchup. I would be like, yeah, but it was against Malrang. You know, it's like that's a bigger gulf than the gulf between Peanut and any other jungle in the world, in my opinion. Like, Peanut is a better jungler than Malrang. I think would be fairly safe to say, right? And I think yeah. Canyon Goomba stomped. Like, well, the, the the not so much peanut. He just goomba stomped the comp, the comp matchups multiple times in that series. I, I he was yeah. again for me. That's the best individual performance I've seen at Worlds so far. I thought he was unbelievable, and I don't put that he also much stuck in the Bo ones. Yeah, but like, like I, mean, I don't want to drag into this point for a little bit too much longer. But like, also like you know, Canyon also had leads. I mean, he was on Kane, had like lots and lots of like mechanical like misplays, and like it looked like he looked like he knew, understood like the farming and the jungling aspect of like Kane, but actually executing like the damage and like the combos within like a team fight like medium. Like he didn't look as like confident, and obviously I had other like picks within like, the series where he looked like insane on. Like, yeah, I think that, that's fair. He wasn't. He wasn't perfect. Don't get me wrong, but I. Well, I, I'm not saying he's perfect. I, I, he like, was levels. Not, so that's it. I was, yeah, I, I would, think you can nitpick for both players, though, right? Yeah. I don't think that you could like, uh, like then go on the other side. Kanavi played just absolutely perfectly every single game. You know, like I don't think he had a bad one happen. at all. I don't think he like when I watch Kanavi like, team fight. I'm usually really happy with like, that's my my assessment. Like when I watch Kanavi team fight, I'm usually very happy with the way he executes. And I don't think he like paths like bad. I think he's a distinction, not you have, a distinction you have to make though is that it's different playing certain champions and certain champion matchups where you're like he did everything really good this team fight versus Canyon playing games where the game is solely on him. 
Like it's yeah, solely I, on his I, shoulders. I, like these are two. Well, sh- I, no, I understand that. Like I, I, I agree. Canavi has much better like uh, teammates across the board, and they also facilitate. Um, I think GDG are better at facilitating Canavi than uh, Damwon are actually facilitating Canyon. But yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, said... I think that like Canavi has the uh, the, the gift of three six nine and Yagao existing in his game. Yeah, being exactly. a jungler give up... with those yeah. two on the map is a bit easier than being a jungler with Noggery in your top lane. But it's it's also in the very 100%. literal... 100%. A literal yeah. perspective as well. Like, if you take the game five, like, Showmaker's on Syndra, and he's really far behind. Like, the game is on Canyon. Like, being able to... He has to play, like, a really high, clean damage output. And yeah, he's, he's sometimes he's going to mechanically slightly slip, trying to play fights completely optimally, because if he doesn't, they lose the fight because the rest of the map is so astro far behind. It's crazy. But yeah, let, um, let's not okay. let's not dwell uh, on, on that anymore. But yeah, Kira, what's your general thoughts on, on this matchup? JDG so, versus T1. How do I you think 369 might be like suffering from what Breathe suffered from, where against any other top laner, he would be like always like, he would be better than, but this is probably actually like Understanding of like as I said, like if you were to just take the players out of their team, okay, Zeus is probably a better player than three six nine across the board. Though three six nine has had a very 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 good year. The problem is, is three six nine is very good at enabling what GDG want to do. I watched GDG be behind like ten thousand, eight thousand gold leads against TES, who are not like idiots themselves in terms of like team fighting and executing them and they were like winning those games like quite regularly G- this is the problem with gdg is they are experts at a thing that is famously inconsistent in league where they're like the best team at team fighting and like playing off of each other's like engages and catches and understanding when people aren't safe on the map i think there's a really good point where rogue were retreating out of the dragon pit and like yagao just flies up mid onto leah and kills um Larson on the Azir, and then they kill a support, and next thing you know, Rogue were like 2,000 gold up, or like 1,000 gold up, and then they're losing an inhib turret and an inhib. It's like, what other team in the world is like doing those like types of things to you? Like, where does, like, I, like if you were to freeze frame it, okay, and I was to show analysts or other players that that is the order of events that are about to happen, I don't think most people would even conceptualize like th- that happening. I don't think there's anyone if they knew like they didn't know what was going to happen, mm. they would say something else was going yeah. to happen and like what's the safe play? And they but, and then they watch GDG and say yeah, but they're just it's other people playing poorly. GDG are the team that everyone seems to play poorly against the most. Like the Damwon series where for the tiebreaker where the the Aphelios was like eight thousand gold up um, mm-hmm. against like JDG. And JDG killed them every single time. They didn't fail once. They insta killed them at the start of almost every single team fight. They just—they are just unbelievably good at executing it. That being said, I think it will be really close. Hopefully, close. I—I I think, but I think T1 will edge it out. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, you sound slightly uh, more more confident that, that T1 definitely wins. Atlas, is that? Are you predicting another three zero, or do you think that JDG? Oh no no no. no. No, no, no. I, I, I can't do a three-zero for this one. I think that it's, it should be the uh, four or five games. I reckon. Well, do I, an interesting thing: betting companies are are say it's more likely that this series is three-one a certain team than it goes to five games. It's like four point six odds for this game for whoever wins to go to five games, and it's like two point eight for it to go to like four games. 
they're more sure that it's going to be a four game series than they are that it'll be a five game. That's real. That's really real. Yeah, that's that is not. But that's not very common, like at all. Um, don't know why. Yeah, I, I guess like people don't think that like uh, you know blue side red side is as much of a mm. you know PowerPoint or whatever. Maybe it's the fact that JDG have won every red side game that they've played or something and, like and that. They're the, sure. And they're the only game on the semi-final. The other semi-final, everyone obviously massively favors like Gen G. This semi-final, the difference in like odds between the teams is like 20, 30%. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of that is just pure manipulation by fandom. Um, yeah, fandom because yeah. of T one yeah. mass bet, mass bets on T one. You yeah, have a look like... at the pickems. The fact that it's like ninety percent uh, <laughs> people predicting T one is absurd. Ooh. When yeah. I when I clicked on them to win, I'm like, I feel like I shouldn't be clicking the highest majority here. Like mm. this is uh, really by the way, crazy. This is actually a thing I would like to highlight. That and this I might be wrong here, but. The one interesting thing for T1, Yagao is not very good at executing like kill lanes or like winning like lanes. He's not like a great like laner. Um, he's actually like a pretty poor one. He doesn't historically really do it, but he's at, he, he does if he's on like LeBlanc. He's very, very good like LeBlanc and I player, but he plays it in like a different way to like most other people and how like they conceptualize them, but he is very good. I think teams that aren't able to punish Faker like for his like. Um, you know what I mean? Like, his, his, like the reduction his more facilitary style yeah, instead style. of like trying to crush lane. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. those teams that can't do that are always have terrible matchups against T1. Like, historically, like with this new version of T1, the teams where like Faker gets to like free coast through the game are the usually leads to like a terrible uh, games usually go in a terrible direction. Uh, yeah. historically against T1. I don't think Yagao is that player, but maybe Yagao Kanave can be that, like, duo. Another little point I'd like to make is, I think Korea can blow this game, like, wide open in terms of, like, outplaying, like, missing across the map. Um, I'm, I think Missing's had, like, one of the biggest turnarounds of any players, like, ever, from uh, his time in the LPL, from uh, when he's had a very, very consistent year, and he's looked really, really, really good all year. But I think Korea has possibly been pro the arguably one of the best players of this year and easily the best like support player of the year and he has a champion pool that just goes on and on and on and on and I think he understands like the map and what to do with like the a winning winning lane conditions and like in terms of like enabling owner enabling side lane dives like there was that play where he like eats faker with a turret shot where they do the Akali dive onto Xiaohu mm -hmm. and they, they, they don't kill Xiaohu but the play itself, the actual conceptualization of the play is like insane. Like when I was watching that, I was like, holy shit, Korea's like unbelievable. Because it's just not something I would ever see another person on Tam Kench even attempting. Hey, I mean, that, that yeah. fight in the mid lane yeah. after that turret fell down, like that team fight, were you about to talk about it? Yeah, recently? yeah. Like, man, say, like that was insane. that oh. sequence of, of play was like probably the best Tom Kench I've ever yes. seen. Like, and it, like the the best Tom Kench that I'd seen before that was Carrier previously playing Tom Kench, yeah. but it's, it's like, frightening. I gift, play was I gift just it so and good. put it on on Twitter when he's dodging the uh, uh, the engage oh, and then he goes yeah, back the in with the double and then he W's out at the end. Like it was it was oh. actually Chef's kiss, pixel perfect. It was so good, so good. Faker did uh, it, it also like one one of the cleanest dodges I've ever seen in that game. Where it's like you look at it, and you're like eh. 
But when you actually look at what his mouse clicks must have been to dodge the Sejuani stun under tower, it looks like scripting. Like it looked like those old. Oh yeah, the, the shuffle step, where it yeah, like steps yeah. and moves, steps yeah, and yeah. moves, and like somehow you think, wait, but you can only move in one direction at a time in league, right? And but he sort of simultaneously it looks like he shuffles to the right, but also goes towards tower. So clean, yep. and the spacing of his clicks is so clean. Um, but right, okay, cool. Let's get on to what is the last. Uh, topic of course of today which is the second semi-final between uh genji and drx again if you told anyone that this was going to be a best of five before wells they'd be like ha ha he he easy win for uh genji but oh we should still say that i think we should we still, should say, still that. say that then any according other team, to, uh... has any other team made it to the semi-finals with a negative win rate by the way um a negative win rate domestically you mean yeah i think this might be the first time I don't, I don't think, think so. A, I mean, there haven't been a lot of uh, LCK teams that have made it to Worlds with a negative win rate. Yeah, we had so... MVP go to uh, Rift Rivals mm. um, in like as our fourth seed once, which was very, very weird. But that's, I think, the weirdest. Even thing, in the old at least days, in my I, time. Even in the old days, I can't even think of it happening in like season three. I can remember. I don't think it, happen don't think it happened with Najin and stuff like that, which is which is actually like a huge like props to this team, and also. A massive prop for like more seeds coming to worlds people come on come on also maybe slightly more seeds you think we're getting more seeds <laughs> after this year <laughs> what? no i'm saying i think like world should be world should be a bigger um a bigger tournament from the elite re for the elite regions uh it's rift rivals that's what you're talking about we can bring it back maybe we could bring back rift rivals yeah no, I remember. Was it there was that team called? Were they called Ever One or something? What What were they called? Ever Eight. Yeah, yeah. Oh. What, what about them? that? Was uh, you mean Ever Eight? Sorry, uh, ESC Ever? Maybe. I'm not no? sure. I, I remember. I'm swearing that they was were called a Ever, Kes but they, not a Casper Cup. They played IEM. a bunch of tournaments because other teams were like cancelling. I remember they played like the I. This is like back when they still had the IEM World World Championship. Yeah, and yeah. Played that. It, and then they also played in Rift Rivals as well, I think, because the team dropped And they out. won the uh, they won the thing. They won the that was with Athena in the mid lane, and then they all got mm -hmm. like completely split up at the end, and then became ever eight winners where yes. uh, the Malrung was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but that, yeah, but that was funny because I remember at the time they were seen as like not a particularly good LCK team, but then when they played these random international events that they weren't even invited to, they just other teams dropped out. It's like, oh, and they're winning. Great. This doesn't look great, does it? No, we actually played them at an IEM and lost to them, so that was that was fun. Yeah, that one. Was that was the IEM that they won, though. I yes. think they won that entire yeah, they beat, thing. They beat Flash they beat Wolves TSM. as well. Uh, yeah. TSM, K Flash Wolves, Ever Eight. Yeah. TSM got a penta kill against them, and they still lost the game. Mm. And then. Uh, Forgiven oh got God. a quadra kill against them and still lost the game. Yeah, good times. Anyway, moving on from my <laughs> PTSD-induced nightmares. <laughs> oh no, uh, Rich, sorry. <laughs> uh, right. Ryu for that so, one. So yeah, Gen G versus DRX. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Atlas, uh, I feel like you've got sort of ulterior motives here as well as, you know, you're sort of trying to mm -hmm. reverse engineer will this into existence by going super hard on Gen G. But let's pretend that, you know, you're not hoping and praying for that. What is your rationale behind why you think Genji definitely wins this? Um, by the way, I like. I want to just uh, briefly mention that I was saying that this should be easy for Genji whilst I have the DRX bear literally on a shelf <laughs> behind me, like sitting there giving away my intentions. You know what we call that? Um, we call that dripping in integrity because, you know... He's, absolutely. He's, yeah. Unbiased 
uh, entirely. Um, it's, it's been me throughout my entire career. I've never been a deft fan, not even once. Guarantee it. Um, no, I think that like this is a very different game to their game against EDG. And I think that there's a lot of tape that you can go back to to see what Genji have done to DRX throughout this season. Um, I think that I think it's going to be very difficult for them to repeat the same game plan um, unless Pyoshik rolls some like crazy numbers and then just gaps Peanut like uh, like Canyon did. Like Not Pyoshik plays times. Yeah, like I mean, it, it can happen. We, we've seen it, right? Like I wasn't expecting him to play as well as he did in the series against DDG. JJ, I think, is not necessarily the greatest junglers. Um, no, he's not. But he's doesn't. JJ doesn't have the same level of variance that uh, Kyoshik has, and Kyoshik yeah. definitely played above what we've come to know of him, right? And I don't know whether that will be in DRX's favor, but I highly doubt that we'll be able to see the same Pyoshik against Peanut after Peanut has dismantled him the entire summer season. I was calling Pyoshik uh, Pysok because I just could not be bothered like pronouncing his name properly and I don't listen. <laughs> that is again... I don't know what a Pysok is, but it doesn't sound very good. Nah, we, we put the, don't worry, Atlas, we put that one in the hashtag just Scottish things as well. Anything where there's any sort of weirdness or ambiguity... <laughs> Just put it in the bin. It just sounds like mispronunciation. I don't think there's much to <laughs> Again, go into there. <laughs> that is just, just Glaswegian things. He's not even from Glasgow. It's not even a thing in Scotland. It's just I can't be bothered like pronouncing his name and I don't listen to broadcasts. So like I was just like, oh, he's Pysok now. <laughs> yeah, by the way, just for, some, just for some context, Atlas, this is the guy who referred to uh, Marcoon as MacNoon the entire year. So, you know, nothing... I mean, I'm a big fan of Mac Noon as well. Exactly, bro. It's only because, like, my entire life, I've been discussing and thinking about the player Mac Noon, and then this EU player comes along who's also pretty good, and then he's like, I have to start talking about him, and all that, like, built up memory and, like, like, it's hidden away. It just comes And you don't want to erase. You don't want to erase, you know, your memories of one of the greatest idiots the top lane has ever seen, you know? What do you mean, idiots, bro? One of the the greatest prodigies. I, so I, I went to a tournament, like there was this random tournament uh, that I uh, that I commentated a couple of years ago, but MacNoon was invited. And I remember like going there and having a chat to him and he's like, Atlas, you don't understand. Fiddlesticks top and Soraka top are the greatest champions that you can play. Actually, no, it wasn't Soraka top because that was actually good. I was telling him to play that because you know, that was one of LS's techs at the time. Um, but he was playing Tarek top and Fiddlesticks top the entire tournament, this random-ass tournament that we, we were commentating in Stockholm is where it was. And it was just great to, like, meet him and hang out with him again. Like, the guy's personality has just been so amazing forever, and it made me miss him. I wanted him to come back. He wasn't very good, but he won every yeah, game. At the because end, of course, he, he was better than them, you know? Was, would it be a at lazy characterization to say maybe he's the Darien of the East? Is no. that a fair... No. no, no, I mean, Ma- in his no, day, no, no. Mac- like, Mac- Mac- Magnum was, was an absolute god. Yeah, Magnum was, was the best top laner. Magnum was the best top laner. No, I mean, latter career Magnum, I mean. Latter career, 100%. Oh, yeah, he, right. was, he was definitely doing some lizard wizard stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Kira, where do you stand on the, you know, speaking of uh, enunciation, the reckless versus reckles meme? Are you a reckles enjoyer? Not... He's, he's just he's always been reckless to me so i don't i don't really i don't really care 
What? Uh, <laughs> are you saying this seriously? Like there are people that think but it's his a name's thing. Reckles? Yeah. Lokodoko, for example. By the way, as as someone in Lokodoko has done literally hundreds of talk shows and also, you know, some analyst mm. desks, he always, he still to this day calls him Reckles. So, yeah. Does I mean, he do it for fun? To be I mean, fair, Loco that's how it's that spelled. Yeah, that's Me how it's spelled. Trying to pronounce names with a lisp, you know. Well, Atlas, yeah, the, the, the beauty of that, Atlas, is that with Logodoko, you can never really be truly sure if he's serious or not. It's kind of just this very blurred grey area where, you know, the genius meets moron combo and who knows? Or it's which whichever side of the bed he gets up on on that day, who who can really say? Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the Korean gods flip a coin, it's either genius or moron. Exactly. Just, yeah, right. The dichotomy of... Uh, not Mark Noon, Mac Noon's career as well. Yeah. So anyway, well, how are we talking about Mac Noon and Mark Noon, and like, how did we it, even it, get here? What happens. are we doing here, guys? It, it happens. <laughs> it happens back, anyway. Back to Genji DRX. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Genji versus DRX. Uh, Kira, what what do you think about about this series? So, Does DRX have an angle no. to victory? Give me the copium. Give it to no, me. No, no. Yeah, if that's what an esports history. When people start saying the famous line, they've never they, they've never lost them before, and it's like a big pressure match that like leads on to something like a grand final or it's the final. Disasters historically have happened, right? But I don't think it's going to happen here. Like with Nicola, uh, I don't think that's the angle. I think <sighs> reality tells you that like this game, the series, the series should be three zero. Um. Nothing tells you that like they should win unless they like I don't know they give like Zeka Silas three games Chovy loses like all the lanes that has a, like an absolute meltdown leads to like just snowballing real early I don't know like real early hands have like like and in, into like death and death just got massive gold leads I don't there there have to be just some like variables that we have not seen okay from, here's like, the copium here's the copium before you continue right we're yeah. gonna do MMA maths this is how it works. If I asked you to predict Genji versus EDG, I don't think you'd predict a three-zero. Is that fair? But I would. I would. You would. That's it, guys. No, I think the, the last Bastion's gone. It sailed. It is I, just a three-zero. I, I think. I think. I think Genji is like EDG. One EDG is like worst matchups. Well, sucks. Except from maybe they would maybe get like one-one, but I think they would be like less consistent. Because, like, I actually agree, like, Shotek has a higher variance on winning the game into Peanut than JJ does. I don't think you ever win the game through JJ, even though JJ played well in some of the games. But I think Fiotic can, like, just roll and randomly yeah, win sometimes games. sometimes you could hit the nat 20. Yeah, exactly. And this, and... I was actually talking to Emily about this, and she had a beautiful analogy, and it's exactly oh, what you're <laughs> saying. The variance just isn't enough, right? Like, JJ's, like plus four to negative four Pyoshik's plus 20 to negative 20 you know like he can be absolutely dog shit sometimes but he can also have those pop-offs he actually like it was in um one of the matches drx had against damon gear this was the kind of you know trinity we sort of had was the fact that uh drx was good at beating damon this season for some reason we didn't really understand why but they were and i think it was because Pyoshik just was feeling himself versus Canyon. It didn't really make up, make a whole lot of sense to us. We couldn't really explain it, but he was rolling twenties against Canyon and that was how he did it. But he'd lose to way worse junglers. 
um, no, pretty consistently. Carry junglers, like carry junglers into carry junglers, tends to be one of the most volatile um, like matchups historically in League of Legends because the early inputs of like volatility have like such a massive knock-on effect yeah. to like the outcome mm. of the game. You know what I mean? Like if you die once in lane, like mid lane, it can like sometimes somewhat be recoverable. If you're playing like a carry jungle matchup and you get invaded. Or like they have like a tech, like a passing tech on you, and you like lose like both buffs, and you're now like two levels behind. Like you never find those two levels again, unless you literally go to a laner's farm, like a laner's lane, like Kanavi used to do, and like take Zoom's farm from him to get you back into the game. So I think that's why you you can see those like levels of like volatility, where even though you everyone would say Canyon's better, um, if you like plan for it, scope it out for it, the early inputs of like volatility could be worse. So before I let you both go, as we are nearly wrapping up here, guys, I just want one more angle to maybe squeeze a tiny ounce of copium of this very solid, non-porous uh, stone. Uh, if you were to wake up tomorrow and find out that DRX won, why would they win? What would have been the oh, set of conditions that allowed them to win Atlas? How, how could they win? Barrel dark technology. That is how they'll win. It's just barrel dark technology the whole time. You know, he's going to have like every single game for some reason, they're going to be forced to ban Ash Heimerdinger against barrel. And therefore it's just Zekka's Silas every game. You know, they'll, they'll get like random Caitlyn Silas compositions. I think Gen, uh, Genji might actually just leave up a bunch of shit in game number one, just because they will want to see whether they can just straight up beat it because as soon as they do that they win the series right it's kind of how it works so Um, if they get if Heimer's like just a massive problem early and they're like oh crap and then they end up having to ban every yeah if there's like these pivots that have to happen around like games two and three that could be where things could uh could get bad but i think it will take a big high roll from pyoshik and i think that we're gonna have to see like peanut really have the ultimate collapse which he has, you know, done in the past, right? He hasn't made it, uh, you know, although he's, you know, made it two finals, being able to actually win them has been more difficult when um, pressure does start mounting. And so I think there are a lot of fans out there that are worried that that peanut is going to come back because he's been looming in the back of their minds. Um, I say definitely not projecting my own feelings or anything like that. Um because, like, you know, that that could be a thing that would happen. But uh, it's going to have to take some stars aligning, I reckon, for DRX to come out on top, unfortunately. And I say this as, you know, self-proclaimed gigantic uh, deft fan. And what what do you think, Kira? How how could they win? How could DRX actually upset here? Uh, death scales, plays better in team fights. Zeka gets a bunch of games of Silas without anti-Silas comps. Um, one of the top laners like inherits like the shy or Zeus's like bloodline genetic programs and um, just randomly becomes ten times better than their shattered opponent and just shits all over him. <laughs> um, by the way, that I can happen. Kingin versus Doran's actually not a bad matchup for Kingin but to be honest. The what's the crazy thing is is when you have like the types of like matchups, um, when they're like both players are like not stable is a terrible word for it but they're like you know what i mean they're the weak points of like their teams you know what i mean mm-hmm. um 
those matchups can sometimes be where the hero comes from, you know, because yes. one of them just gets like it's a best case scenario for both guys, right? Like yeah, they exactly, are probably yeah. the two worst top laners left, so they couldn't have hoped for more, even if it turns out that they're just. Could you seen this against DRX, where like Flandry just wasn't able to punish? Um, I think King and also I... overperformed. King and actually overperformed. I felt because I don't. I, I think that like there were certainly some certainly some failings on Flandre's part, but. Kingen was like he played side lanes better than he has all year. Like it's actually it's like he learned how to split push over this tournament. It's very very strange. I don't know. I, I, like, again, this is actually a series where I would actually want to see like you maybe you, like what Alice says. You end up three one because Gen G just go like ha 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 have all the good picks. Let's see if we can beat you. And we just have like yeah. Lehen run at you on like singed. Singed. limit testing center yeah. singed lane. You know, like that sort of thing. What, or like. By the way, actually, here's a good question for you, Atlas. Just quickly before mm. we end, how how um likely do you think Nalia is? Nyla, Nila? Yeah. Um. Ooh. Kind of possible. I think it's Int. I'm not a huge fan um of the pick personally because I think you kind of <laughs> need like range. Um. But Ruler really funny. likes playing it, so <laughs> you never know. Because I, um, I, I just it, it's that's real difficult to. No, I was just, make work. I was just curious because there, there's maybe possible angles for it. Did there. it get uh, changed at all uh, in the the patches preceding Worlds? So it's the exact so, same shit that like Patrick was playing. Yeah, I, okay. I think it was the exact same shit. I, think I could be wrong. Yeah, it's pretty much it. And it was uh, it was Ruler and Prince in the LCK that were pretty good at the champion. I think that uh, Deft got the first win in the LCK for Nila, but it was in a weird usually, matchup. But the, so the problem is, is it's usually you mean Nila that you play, okay? But I think yeah. because, team, because teams think Yumi Sivers just strictly mm. better, yeah, like it doesn't like see like play. That's how like it's like. But I would also say as well. So I heard this from like teams uh, after. I think it was Patrick who was the first player in EU or whatever. It's like they stomped that game, and that was why or why people believe they stomped the game. So then you had like a week where everyone was playing it in scrims. And the conclusion was that okay, we've now learned the champion, and we still don't want to play it. It wasn't like it, I think they mainly played it to see how you could counter it or just get around it or whatever. And after playing for a week, they were like, "Yeah, we don't feel like this is actually pick worthy." It's just that we didn't understand the the, the full scope of the champion or know how to play against it. So I'm not sure. I think it's, it's something that um, Kira was kind of talking about um, a lot previously, which is like the risk reward factor, and when you don't have the engage range to actually yeah. do stuff mm. like that's yep. what Neela kind of exemplifies and if you're extremely strong you just run at your opponent and you kill them right like if you manage to get those leads in the lane phase but comeback mechanics are basically not there unless you can really make the passive do some crazy work for you which we have seen work but we've also seen just fall on its face completely and the champion does nothing one one last quick question before like i think because we're like we're to round up what do you think of pushing Peanut off of Sage and introducing um, it into the first round of bands? I know you lose a power pick, and that's huge right now. So you lose something like, you know, I Caitlin, think you should you ban know. it. I think you should definitely be banning Sage against Peanut because he's very, very comfortable on it. That's what he used to win the LCK. It's what he's used to win a lot of the games, even though it doesn't necessarily look like it's him doing it. He does have a lot of agency when it comes to being able to start fights, and that's what Genji relies on Peanut for the majority of the time. Like he can because... int his way through the game, but if he lands that one glacial prison that allows Ruler to get a pick and start a snowball, like 
that's his job done, right? So I think that I think you're right. I think it's a it's a worthwhile because yeah. the, the, because the other piece. ones he has the poppy that he's not won a game on, and then he has like Vi, Valkai, and like Hecarim or it's like his other picks. But the Hecarim prowls like fell away like completely. And when I think of like the Maokai and the Vi, I think that's way way better if you want to be playing carry junglers, um, into you know what I mean rather than playing carry junglers into Sejuani. If you get my point, it's much better to play carry junglers into those picks. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think that, like, ban that away and then Kanavi can go just, like, uh, sorry, not Kanavi. I'm thinking too far ahead in, okay. in case somehow Genji manages to make it to the final against uh, JDG, which is going to require things working out in two different matchups. Um, but I, I think that, like, yeah, I think it makes sense um, getting Peanut on something that's not his ultimate comfort. Yeah. I also think DRX banning Sejuani kind of works both ways because then Pyoshik doesn't get to like throw ultimates the wrong direction or um, <laughs> like he did in a couple of those. Yeah, that is true. I also, I think there's also just a, like a holistic point to be made there, which is when you can get like a Maorang off a Jarban or a Peanut off a Sejuani, it, you're not even necessarily like dissecting the meta or how strong it is. You're also like, let me get this good player off his best champion. And I think I think player mastery is something that a lot of people like don't really take into account as much as they used to. The, you know? the, well, one I, I problem think that is, it is still very relevant. The one scary thing is, is Peanut still has graves and he's still quite happy to play like graves, which is mm. that's like unfair if like you just allow like graves a bunch of Peanut graves game as like does Peanut just suddenly like roll back the years and become a carry jungler of the ages? Yeah, but you have to. I mean, he's just, he goes it. back to LGD, you know, where he's literally the only player on the team just trying to carry them through the world championship. You know, yeah, maybe you have, we'll get that Peanut again. You have to keep in mind that when you ban something like that, like a, a Maorang Jarvan or whatever, it they you are taking away something that they want to pick it's not like if you know or oh, maybe he'll play this it's like yeah but he doesn't he himself is not wanting to play that over the thing you just banned so i still think there's like always inherent value there no matter what but anyway i have kept you both far too long i know that atlas is uh experiencing jet lag so he's probably dying in his chair no this is this has been perfect you know now i've stayed awake and it's almost 11 p.m and so i've been passing out at like an hour ago um so it's been a bit of a disaster waking up at like 6 a.m it's not me that's that's not gamer hours so i really appreciate you guys uh keep me entertained so there <laughs> so you go we're the gift that keeps on giving uh but anyway it's thanks joy. thanks for watching guys thank you both for joining me and see you next time